I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Kendo by Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today, as always, is my friend Emily Lynn. Hi Emily! Hi Brittany! How are you? I mean, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm here too, but uh, my fucking sleep schedule is like crazy. Like I... I try to change it, and then, like, I just have been sleeping so much. Like, I, I feel like my cat. Yeah? Taking a lot of naps and shit? Well, and not a lot of naps much, but it's like, I, I sleep, like, 10, 11 hours. That sounds nice. I guess, but then I feel guilty, because I wake up, and it's, like, 10 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, I've wasted my morning sleeping. Yeah, and you've wasted your day of not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I, I have, like, a routine. Like, I, I wake up, I play Animal Crossing, I walk on the tr- I walk on the treadmill, I've been watching uh, that old season of The Bachelor on Netflix, and that's interesting, seeing how different reality television was 10 years ago. But then I play board games with the family. We introduced my parents to Cards Against Humanity last night, and... They only lasted like four rounds because some of the topics or some of the cards were a little too too much for them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd particularly want to play that with my parents. Yeah, it it's interesting. But we have like a PG or like a rated G version of that game. It's called like Who Knew? It's like a cranium game. And it's like you gotta pick like a card that you think best, or the like the person whose turn it is like would like the best. So like kittens and bunnies and the color purple, glitter. Like it, oh, okay. it just, it's okay. So it's like the really lame version. Yeah, but it, it's funny because it's like we just sit there and we're like, you like glitter better than caves. It, it just it gets funny. It gets, like, silly in a very pure sense. But tell me about your week. How has uh, working from home been? It fucking sucks. I don't like it. Um, I don't have enough shit to do. And there's stuff that I need to do that I can't do. And it's, like, I don't know. It's super frustrating. 
and just fucking sucks. I'm sorry. I see you've been watching a lot of Disney Plus, though. I mean, I watched Robin Hood, and today I watched like half of Ratatouille. And we'll probably watch the other half after we're done podcasting. Because that's my favorite of the Pixar movies. That's exciting. Yeah, I I haven't been watching a lot of Disney Plus lately. Um, I You know that new Amazon show with Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum? Oh, I was going to bring this up. Oh my god, have you been watching? You know what? I... I have been. I don't particularly like it. Aww. Because I think what I found most interesting in Project Runway is, like, watching the sewing and everything. And this is all about design. And then they pack stuff off with instructions and send it to professional seamstresses. And we don't see any of that part at all. Maybe if they showed some of that, it might be interesting. But I don't know. I think the the design part is sort of my least favorite. And I feel like this is maybe more of an actual like fashion show in terms of but that's also not as fun to watch because Project One Way you have all sorts of insane challenges like, you know, here, make this out of garbage. And that's oh, more fun ones. to actually watch. Yeah, I just it it just brings a warm a warm feeling in my heart whenever I see Tim Gunn, but it just it's funny because the things that they can't say on the show, like I don't think I've heard make it work, I don't think I've heard of Fuida Zang, I don't think I've heard like any of the old things that obviously they said in Project Runway. Like it's just it's very interesting how similar those two shows are, but how different they are. Yeah, and obviously they had to make it a different show. I I just I found that there there's something in the way that they went about it that isn't as engaging as a viewer. And also I fucking hate Naomi Campbell. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the judges on this are just mean. Whereas in Project Runway, like you get people who are really um harsh like Nina Garcia and some of the other ones but it's it never came across as mean as the judges do on this yeah they're pretty harsh like at first I I liked how like honest they were but sometimes it's it's just a little too much and it makes me miss when Michael Kors was a uh, judge on Project Runway like he was so harsh but also like he could be like so sweet at times like he was he was lovely and then I, I've always liked Zach Posen he was always fine to me um, I like Zach Posen a lot what else do I like um, Project Runway All Stars I forget the judges I know Georgina Chapman was a judge and I always liked her like she was always like the right amount of harsh but I don't it just it's interesting the judges they have like they have Nicole Richie which 
I guess she's fine as a judge, but I can tell that this is still kind of the Heidi show. Like, you know that the one that Heidi likes the most is going to win. And the yeah. one that Heidi likes the least most is going to lose. Because, you know, we see, like, the same people on the chopping block, but Heidi's like, I like it. And you're like, okay, that means they're safe. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, yeah, I wish that it was actual, like, sewing competition. Because they keep saying, oh, it's not a sewing competition. But, God, like, I feel like that makes it interesting. But also, like, it's also weird seeing, like, the contestants who, like, literally don't know how to sew. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And I understand, like, you might, you can you can design and not be, like, a great sewer. But it seems strange to me that you can been a designer for, like, 20 years and not even know how to, to like, thread a sewing machine. It's the strangest thing. And that element definitely makes me miss Project Runway. But it just isn't the same anymore. Like, I watched, like, a couple episodes and I just, I, I don't feel it as much. No, I like, I like Christian because he's, you know, the designer who came out of that show who is, like, hands down the best and actually has a prominent career. So he makes sense as the Tim Gunn role. But I think, I don't know, I think the show's just been on so long that it's hard to do anything new with it. Yeah. That's true. But what I do like about this show, I think it's something making, yeah, making the cut. That's where it's been. That's what it's named. I love how they have the budget or somewhat of the budget that they're filming in Paris. Like, it's beautiful. Like, their design room is beautiful. Like, so far, like, I've only watched, like, two episodes out of the three. But I've enjoyed the prompts for the... Uh, runway walks uh I don't know I just I've been I've been really enjoying like I I like mostly everyone of this cast so I'm interested to find out more and more about each person yeah I just want to challenge because I've seen the there's four of them up right now and I feel like I'm missing a challenge that seems really just like weird or offbeat that Project Runway always did really well Yeah, I'm missing those garbage ones where it's like, make this out of trash or make this out of leather. I don't know. Or but, even the stuff that you know, like make make a wearable outfit for a superhero. Oh, yeah. I remember I went back all the way to season one and one of the models didn't show up. So one of the contestants modeled the other contestants look on the runway. And it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, I don't remember that one. I forget everyone's name. So I think it was the season that J- that was Jay's season. Cause I know that it was Jay's design that um, the contestant was modeling on stage. Cause I feel like the earlier seasons, they really got in on the models more. Like there's this one model who was like, I don't want to be here today. I'm just not going to, I'm just going to leave. And just now, like they don't even focus on the models. And I remember like a couple seasons back, they had like kind of a show about the models. It was like a 30 minute, get to know the models of project runway, because in a sense it is a competition for them too. Like they do win a prize too, obviously not as big as the, 
as the Project Runway winner, but yeah, they used to they used to at least like focus that on that. Like occasionally, it would be mentioned like during the episode that oh, when you know as the contestants go down and they're using fewer models, that the models who remain are like the ones that the contestants chose, and so they're also going to win something. And they they like I don't even know if that still happens because they don't mention that at all anymore. I remember how catty used to get like when they would have to choose from um, the little bin to choose what models they wanted yeah but i like the, like this last season they've they've had some um trans and non-binary models and that's pretty cool and they've they've done a little bit better with having models with different body shapes yeah i think that a couple seasons ago um a woman won who she showed only uh, plus size models during uh, New York Fashion Week, which was that was amazing to see. And I think I think like almost every single episode, she used a plus size model too. So that's great. But that's awesome about I didn't know that about how they have like non-binary and transgender models now on Project Runway. Like that's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, maybe I should get or try to watch a little more this last season of Project Runway. Cause I remember it was in the news a lot because uh, I believe Carly Kloss is like the, the Heidi of the show now, right? Yeah. She fucking sucks. Yeah. I assume so. I, I know that someone made a comment about her having dinner with the cushioners and a dress that he made, but uh, that's all I've heard. But yeah, she's, she, she wouldn't, be on my list of replacements for Heidi Klum. But, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, there's no news. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be. Yeah, it's crazy that yeah, we, we're not going to have news for a long time. And, you know, all these shows that, you know, were in production, like the Cassian series and Obi-Wan series, possibly, like, those are going to be held back, like, way longer than they were intended to be. I, I, I do wonder if this is, like, the death kneel for the Cassian show. Oh, I was thinking Obi-Wan. I feel like Obi-Wan is going to be the most doomed out of them all. Well, it's just because the Cassian one is the one we've already knew. I mean, the Obi-Wan, like, yeah, we know that they're rewriting the scripts, but the Cassian's the one that we've already heard rumors that it got, you know, almost got trashed a couple of times, so. Mm. I, I hope it know. doesn't, but. Or it's, you know, it's impossible to predict what anything is going to look like after this, so. I know. I'm surprised they haven't canceled Star Wars Celebration yet. I don't. I don't understand it. Just fucking announce it. I was, I was talking to Rusty about it, and he he was like, "Well, maybe they're just trying to find out like a date to postpone it to." But also, there are so many factors that go into canceling Celebration because so many people. I know a lot of our friends have done this too, is that they've planned trips around 
going to California for a celebration. Like, they're going to go on a Hollywood tour. They're going to go to Universal Studios. They're going to go to Knott's Berry Farm. You know, they're going to go to the Disneyland After Dark event, which Disney is going to have to sell, like, a shit ton of refunds because that was a sold-out event. And right now, Disney is refunding annual passes. So it's going to be interesting seeing what's going to happen, especially with these like no refund hotels and everything. Like, obviously, they're going to have to, you know, change their policy real quick and be like, all right, you guys get a free refund because that sucks for all those people who live, you know, not in the States or across the country have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to fly here for Star Wars Celebration. And then like now it's not even going to happen. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: it, like, it it can't happen at this point. I mean, even if it's we're not in a situation in August where everybody's in lockdown, we're not going to be in a situation where you can hold a convention. It's interesting because we don't even know what the world is going to be like in two months. So to add a couple months to that and go to August like I just don't know and I feel like a lot of a lot of people are postponing events until like September or October so I just I don't know what Star Wars Celebration is going to do like maybe they're just going to take a year off and go to the next year because it does seem too soon for a celebration that we were just in Chicago a year ago you know I mean they just that yeah it should just do it a year and roll tickets over that's what a lot of festivals and stuff have done. Where you either you can apply your ticket to next year or you can get a refund if you can't make it the next year. And they just need to do that. And I, I, I mean, I can't say there's no point in putting it off because I don't know. Maybe, they're, maybe they do have good reasons why they have to put it off in terms of an announcement. But I wish they would just do it. So... If it, when this is canceled, do you think that they're going to keep California or do you think that they're going to move it to another place? I mean, I would imagine it's going to be like venue availability. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it would be interesting if it was like moved to like a completely like different venue in a different state. I don't, that'd be interesting. Like, where would you want to travel for Star Wars Celebration? I mean, I don't care because I'm not going to do anything other than go to Celebration, really. I guess that's true. But I don't know. The place is kind of cool. Like, it was really cool being in Chicago. Like, I would, I would do anything to have another Chicago dog. Or I just, I fucking love the food in Chicago. Like, the Chicago pizza. I mean, I like Chicago, Chicago, good city, and Chicago. I mean, Chicago's nice for me because then I can hop on the train and go see my parents. But I don't know. I mean, I, I more care about whether the convention hall it's in is good for, or not. Yeah. We'll I'd see. like for it to be in the U.S. so then I can afford to go. There we go. Yeah, it'd be interesting if it was out of the country. Like, I've always wanted to find an excuse to travel across the country, but obviously I haven't yet because, you know, saving up money and all that stuff and 
career changes and you know it is it's difficult right now but definitely in the future i want to find an excuse to go and travel and maybe a future star celebration might be that reason but we'll see and hopefully they announce soon because i know that a lot of people are stressed right now and i feel like that stress is the last thing that they need like i just i feel like it's going to be such like a sigh relief like when they finally announce it because it just it's just another thing that people have to stress about you know like people are stressing about you know their passes to disney or you know their tickets to an event that they were worried that's gonna not happen which obviously it's not like i don't know i just i feel bad for all of our friends and everyone who's stressing about uh celebration right now yeah but I mean, yeah, the whole thing seems weird. Hopefully they announce it soon. And if they announce it and they're like, hey, it's happening, you know, August 2021, then, hey, I have something to look forward to again. And that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, like we've been seeing all these even seeing like the studios moving their release dates on a bunch of big movies uh you know sometimes you know, like by a year sometimes by six months or so um apparently we're still gonna get a star wars movie in 22 supposedly but we'll see Really? I mean, how how can you work on a movie right now? Well, you can write a movie right now. That's a good point. Like, I can't imagine like all of the the work these writers are doing on movies and shows and everything. Like, I feel like it's like the perfect opportunity for them right now to do that. Um, scene. not really, because everybody is you know, worried about things, which is not the most conducive to writing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you see all these tweets being like, oh, this is the perfect time to to learn a new hobby or finally write that novel you want to write. And I'm like, okay, um, lots of people are worried about things like how they're going to pay their rent or, you know, like if they're parents are you know old, or older parents are going to survive this or what do they do if they get sick themselves or what do they do with their kids who now don't have school for the rest of the year so no i don't i don't think it's a great time for any of that yeah god my my heart is with all of with with everyone especially like you know all the kids having to stay at home for the rest of the because a lot of the schools are shutting down for the rest of the year like Oh my god. I just I, I feel for everyone right now. And definitely hard times, but I'm glad that we have this this platform for, you know, podcasting and everything. Because I feel like definitely sitting down and listening to a podcast or, you know, watching a TV show or something like that definitely like relieves stress and brings, you know, some sort of happy feelings or something. So I'm, I'm glad that we're here doing this. Yeah. Oh, we're on um, Spotify now. Oh, cool. We made it. 
Yeah, I submitted that yesterday, and so it's up. So if you listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can now also listen to us on Spotify. So there's a rumor that Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in season two of The Mandalorian. I so badly want this to be true. I mean, it's interesting because uh, making Star Wars wrote this article and they brought up the point that she's been seen on set multiple times, but also it's near the set of Avatar 2. So either she's going to be in this or Avatar 2. I see her more in this. I don't even know what Avatar 2 is going to be or what they're going to do, but I don't know. Like, I would prefer her to be in The Mandalorian. Like, I could see her... I'd prefer her to be in the thing that I actually am going to watch. Yes. Yeah. I I I don't know. Like my gut instinct is she's probably an Avatar too, but man, do I hope she's in the Mandalorian. What would you want her to do in the Mandalorian? I'd be Jamie Lee Curtis. No, I want her to be um like one of the the ex Imperials. I want her to be somebody like working with Moff Gideon. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. I we need more female Imperials. By which I need we need any like actually named speaking role female Imperials. Yeah, Star Wars is definitely missing that. And she'd be fucking badass. She would. Like I think her casting is the most exciting casting I've seen. Um I, I don't know what I would like. I, I think an Imperial's great. I could see her as like a Mandalorian too, kind of like the armorer. I love the armorer. Oh, man, the armor is so good. So, it, I don't. I don't know. I. I think that she would be a great addition to the cast, even like for like an episode. You know, like the bounty hunter hunter episode. Like I. I don't know. I would really love to see her. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I mean, she's but she's somebody who I've been watching in movies pretty much my entire life, and she's always just a joy on screen. She's and she's still amazing and still fucking smoking hot, and she's so good. Because I was just rewatching like like last weekend. I was watching the director's commentary on Knives Out. And then after I finished the director's commentary on Knives Out, I decided, oh, I was listening to the director's commentary, so I didn't really get to hear the movie dialogue. I should watch Knives Out again. And so immediately turned it on. (laughs) That's funny. And she's great in it. She's funny. She's got this great, like, rich white woman bitchiness she's really good at. And... She can also be a badass, as the like last Halloween movie shows. She still can be a fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah, I, it'd, I guess it'd be weird though. Oh yeah. No, but no. So go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say how even though I haven't really seen much of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's movies, like I would. I think it'd be really cool to see her in this. Like, I think the only Jamie Lee Curtis movie I've seen is Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan. 
Um, you should see Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Is that like a comedy? Yes. Okay. No, it's the hard-hitting drama with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Yes, it's a comedy. Um, well, you never know. There is some... um because this was late 80s, I want to say. So there's some uh, not great language in it. But uh, it's, it's other than that, still super funny. Um, okay. A Fish Called Wanda. One of the funniest movies of all time. And that's got also got Kevin Klein and John Cleese. And is hilarious. And you should see the original Halloween. Because it's amazing and still super scary and tense. Okay. And she's like the best final girl ever. I would assume that she's the the only best. That it's Jimmy Lee Curtis and everyone else on the bottom. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah. Well, also, I mean, just Halloween is, I would say, I mean, for me, inarguably the best slasher movie. And I I, I like Friday the 13th, and I have a huge soft spot for pretty much all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but none of them are actually as scary as Halloween is, and just aren't as good of movies in terms of filmmaking. Yeah, I definitely went through a phase in high school when I watched all those, like, terrible slasher movies. But at the same time, I feel like I didn't watch, like, the good ones. Like, I was watching, like, The Hills of Eyes. I fucking hated that. Uh, Signs. um, Is that not a slasher movie? Signs wasn't? No, maybe I'm thinking about something. Maybe Maybe I'm thinking of another movie. Science uh, is the M. Night Shyamalan movie with the aliens. Yeah, I definitely didn't see that. Never mind. I'm trying what? to think of okay. what... What are you thinking of? <laughs> this is one of my favorite games, which is what? what is Brittany actually talking about? Um, there's... Okay, so... I'm trying to think of... Because I, I know I watched The Hills of Eyes because like that one was like in like the desert and it was with uh-huh. the aliens. And then, like, that was a sequel. There was a sequel to that. I watched that. And then there's one when they're in a house. I think it's, like, the haunting house of, like, I think it's, like, the Connecticut one or something. A haunting in Connecticut? Yeah, haunting in Connecticut. I've seen that. But I'm trying to think of, like, what movie was, like, signs that I've seen. Maybe I'm confusing that with the second Hills of Eyes movie. But... I don't know. I just, I feel like there, I've always seen the signs, but I guess I haven't because I think the only M. Night Shyamalan movies I've seen has been the really terrible Avatar remake and um, the I See Dead People movie. The Sixth Sense. Yes, thank you. Not to be confused with The Shining. But I've seen The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of any horror movies that have a title sort of like Signs. You know, it's probably nothing like Signs. <laughs> nothing like Signs. 
I just, I, I always felt like when I was sitting there in high school watching all these movies, you know, that science is in there somewhere, but I don't think it is. Like, I don't know. I, I wish, I wish I was more educated in movies so that these conversations would be easier, but damn. I know I was sitting on the couch with my dad. We're, we're watching a little bit of uh, Titanic and he's like, have you ever watched this movie before? And I'm like, I haven't seen like the whole, whole thing. And he's like, oh my God, what other movies haven't you seen? I'm like, uh, you just naming off movies. I'm like, nope, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. We're watching Tron. He's like, have you seen that? And I'm like, nope. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> okay. Did the movie that you think was signs that you saw have Mel Gibson in it? No. Okay. Then you didn't see Signs. Oh, Mel Gibson's in Signs? It's Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, wow. I need to watch that. No, you don't. Oh, is it not good? The the, uh, the end is really fucking dumb. There's like one really good scare in it and the rest of the movie is mostly garbage. Mm-hmm. And also, okay. it's Mel Gibson, and fuck that guy. Is he even in movies anymore? Yeah, people are letting him do movies again, which is unfortunate because I kind of thought, hey, he's done. And then he's like, I think he's more making movies now. It's interesting. I don't know. I mean, slasher movies, I don't know if they're really my type of movie because I I get scared maybe like a little too easily, but I don't know. If I survive the human centipede, I can survive anything. See, I don't like I don't like movies that are just trying to be gross. Me neither. It's not the kind of horror I'm into. I want scary. And Halloween's really good because it's just super tense and you got that John Carpenter score and, I mean, the Halloween theme is, you know, it and Psycho probably the two most iconic horror movie soundtracks and, I mean, John Carpenter music fucking slaps and, and especially in Halloween. What is Psycho about? Ah. <sighs> Without spoiling it. So, a woman who works as, I think she's a secretary. I don't remember, like, what her boss, Ryuga State, maybe? I can't quite remember. But, so, she steals some money from work and goes on the run and ends up at a motel and... Um, bad things happen. Mm. And you have Anthony Perkins playing Norman Bates, one of the most interesting like I don't know. I'm always I don't quite know where to classify psycho horror slash suspense so I get, you know, just one of the most interesting horror slash suspense characters that you come across, and just 
an absolutely amazing performance. But it's, you know, it's Hitchcock and it's so gloriously Hitchcock and still, I think, really, really, really holds up. And the fact that you don't know the end of Psycho is sort of amazing and you should watch it without knowing anything, I think. I'm intrigued. Like, is that like one of like the endings that like everyone knows? Well, it's just sort of like part of pop culture now. Wow. I, I mean, it's know. probably the like the iconic ending. And I, I mean, I, I saw that in I saw it first in middle school, and I definitely knew what the ending was. Just from like seeing it on, you know, already hearing it from like jokes on like The Simpsons or Seinfeld or whatever the fuck other show. And that's the thing is that like I've watched like a lot of The Simpsons, so I could probably watch this because The Simpsons, The Simpsons have their like Treehouse of Horror specials, and but I don't know, like I've watched so many of those, and I really can't think of how Psycho could end. So I'm very intrigued. I don't know for certain that they've ever made a Psycho reference. It just, they've referenced everything. And it's just one of those movies that is like just embedded in pop culture DNA now. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to add that to the list because I was supposed to watch a cowboy movie. Tombstone. Tombstone. And it's I'll, so good. I'll watch. The, I'll definitely watch that. I, I, I want to try to watch more movies. Tombstone's so great. And I, I promise that I would rate every mustache. So I will start a list of mustaches, or I'll keep notes. I while. mean, yeah, that's it's a long. You maybe just stick with the main characters because, like every male character. Except maybe Billy Zane has a mustache. I don't know if Billy Zane has a mustache or not. Everybody else has a mustache. Well, I can't wait for this journey, you know, to Tombstone, to Psycho, to... What's another movie that, like, is, like, a cult classic that, like, everyone knows how it ends? Like, everyone knows... The Usual Suspects. I haven't seen that. What's, this what's is that about? Criminals. Okay. It's, it's a hard one for me to recommend. Because although it is one of my favorite movies of all time, it is starring Kevin Spacey and directed by Brian Singer, which are oh. two people who are no longer allowed to work because they've done very bad things. Okay. So I like don't like maybe don't pay for it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but I it's it's an I think excellent crime movie and has I mean, at the time, one of the biggest like twist endings of all time. And the cast is good. Got 
I mean, fuck. Kevin Spacey is a terrible person and he should never work again. But he was also a really good actor and gives a really good performance in this movie. And Gabriel Burns in it and he's great. Um, Kevin Pollock's surprisingly good in it. It was, I think, one of Benicio Del Toro's first movies or at least one of his first major roles. Oh, wow. And then it also has Stephen Baldwin being surprisingly competent as an actor. I mean, There's he's another no like he's another huge piece of shit, but in a diff, just not in like a criminal way, just in a general way. I agree. And yeah, and also Pete Postlethwaite, and basically, it is. A group of criminals who are blackmailed into doing a job. Oh, okay. At its most basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I feel bad about it, but it's still one of my favorite movies. Okay. You know, as long as you tell me not to pay for it, then. Like, it's a movie, like, if that movie came out today, I would never see it because I would never go see a movie with Kevin Spacey or directed by Brian Singer ever again. But because it came out in, like, the 90s, before that was a known thing, I still go back to it sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in getting into these classic movies that like everyone knows like the endings to. Everyone like makes jokes about them because I'm I feel like I'm always that person who doesn't get the jokes or doesn't get the references. And I well, yeah, yeah. I've always accepted it. Like I'm not that person where it's like I hate when people mention things I have no idea about. Like I, I get it. Like there's movies. No, and yeah, seen. that's another one that has sort of invaded pop culture in terms of like who is Kaiser Soze and just referring to somebody as Kaiser Soze. That's that's from that movie. I've never heard that name before in my life. Okay, that's weird. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm behind. But I have the opportunity to catch up, so I should. Okay. Emily. Yeah. Did you watch Clone Wars? I sure did. How was it? I mean, whatever, man. It was a little better than last week's episode. There is some stuff in it that is interesting. Um, I'm a little bit frustrated by any TV show where your characters start out the episode in one place and then escape, but then end up at the end of the episode back in the exact same place. Yeah, like the fun. fact the fact that they escape the cell and then get back into the end of the cell at the end of this episode, I'm like, 
just, I mean, ugh. I don't, I don't like that in terms of storytelling. I think it is really just makes me feel like I'm we're running around in circles here to have another episode. Yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've gotten to know Rafa and um, Rafa and Trace really well this episode because of that story that they shared about their experience with the Jedi. Like that was eye opening. That was really cool. I thought, I thought that was well done. I mean, maybe, maybe it didn't need to be off of the whole zero, the hot thing in terms of like, Everything ties together, see? But I still do like the idea of the Jedi got their parents killed and never even thought twice about it, you know? I enjoy seeing what other people think of the Jedi and what uh, how other people don't worship the Jedi. Because... It, it would be very easy for someone to look at Ahsoka or look at... Because I believe the Jedi that they were talking about who was talking to them was Luminara. Like, and think that they're awful for what they're doing. Like, their parents died and all she had to say was, Oh, may the Force be with you. You know? Like, that's just so... Emotionless. And so... Selfish. Also, like, they're fucking kids, man. I mean, it'd be bad enough if you see her like fuck up an adult's life and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, peace out." But to just basically orphan these kids and then do absolutely nothing about it is pretty fucking horrific. Yeah, and say that you know that she had no choice, or it just—it's nuts how the Jedi think. You know, because we see the good side. We see them, you know, saving the galaxy and, you know, making sure that the separatists don't get to a planet. But we don't see them, you know, destroying the planet just to get, you know, like Zero the Hut. Like, so much destruction was on Curzon just to get back, you know, Zero the Hut. Or, you know, different people that have escaped. Like, when Cad Bane escaped, like, you know, a lot of people died. You know, so it just it's interesting now that we're getting to see the perspective of people who are actually being harmed in these situations. Yeah, I like it because it is something that, you know, it's like in every Marvel movie or I mean, every superhero movie at all, where they are leveling entire buildings and their fight with the Green Goblin or whoever the fuck they're fighting that week. And just sort of no acknowledgement of all of what that means and i get it to the extent of well if you start acknowledging it where do you stop because then that's like your entire movie is look how fucked up this is but i think you know in a tv show that is all about this galaxy spanning war it is important to stop and at least occasionally mention that shit 
Yeah, I feel like they mentioned it pretty well in Captain America's Civil War. When Wanda destroyed that, you know, the whole building accidentally, like, full of people, and they were all kind of in house arrest. But also, it's it's really interesting knowing that Ahsoka might be outed as a Jedi soon, or maybe that she'll out herself. And I wonder how Rafa and Trace are going to react to that. I mean, I would imagine not particularly well. I, I don't know. I feel like a whole lot of the Clone Wars is the Jedi being pieces of shit. And this is just a, like one of the few times they actually acknowledge that. It's interesting when they do. Like, it reminds me of that episode when Ahsoka met um, a separatist and, you know, they're sharing their point of view over the war and everything. And and it's just that point of view, the different point of view is very important because we see so much of the positives of the Jedi and the positives of the Republic, but also, like, there's some pretty shitty negatives there. And this is it. Like, all of these families, all these people are being affected because of the Jedi and because of, you know, the Clone War. Well, yeah. And I mean, what it all comes down to is that Jedi shouldn't be generals in a war. Yeah. I mean, not at all. And so to, to see... I mean, when you have that as sort of the basis of your show, and then when you're cutting to the the underworld of Coruscant, where all these people are living living fairly miserable lives, and you think that you know the Jedi are the ones who are supposed to be the protectors of the galaxy, and and out fighting the good fight, and instead. They're just fighting this, I mean, fake war. And sure, they don't they don't know what that, but they do know that they're generals in a war that they probably should not be generals in. Well, especially now, you know, after the most of the council found out about how the clone army was uh, was created. It's pretty fucked. It's such a shitty situation, and I'm glad that we get some light on, you know, how shitty it is. Like, I, I love how these characters are now mentioning this. Like, do I wish that they would have mentioned this, like, a little sooner? Yeah, but also, like, you know, we're in the midst of, you know, they're escaping prison, and they're being put back in prison, and, you know, they're trying to escape. They're trying to do all these things, and, I mean, I mean, they definitely are learning from their mistake they made the last episode or two, so. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm glad that this has been better than last episode, because last episode was horrifically bad. And, yeah, it was definitely better than that. And thank God we see some members of Death Watch try to scope out Ahsoka, so... I was hoping that they'd do that this episode so that we could be finished with this arc, but I think we have to wait one more episode. Yeah, you know, and it was cool to see Bo-Katan again. 
but also I'm just like, okay, well, I kind of feel like that's just like them putting that there to be like, hey, be patient. We're we're getting to the thing you actually want soon. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. I hope that's worth the wait. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I I, I feel like that has the most potential to be a huge letdown because it's the one that like everybody's fucking excited about. And so if it's like the same quality as these episodes, that's gonna be real fucking disappointing. It is because Honestly, going back and watching, like, most of the season, like, it is a letdown. And I hate saying that because, you know, so much time and so much effort was spent on this. But just, I just haven't really connected with a lot of these episodes. Well, no, because they haven't been particularly well done. Yeah. That is true, but I mean, we're almost there. This is the last episode of this arc. I mean, I feel like all these arcs are going to be four episodes long, so just one more episode. I'm interested to see what happens to these characters and if they really do escape the pikes, what's going to happen to them because they escape. Um, I'm wondering if the girls get their ship back that this silver angel or what do they call it again the silver angel or something something really fucking dumb like that I want to see how the Bartez sisters grow from this situation I mean I would be happy to never see him again so I just want them to learn from this especially from Trace fucking releasing all that spice that still Man. hurts me. Jesus, that character is annoying as shit. Like, even in this one, like, all the fucking bickering, I just, it's not enjoyable to watch. No, it's not. Like, even though, like, yeah, they're siblings and that they're going to argue with each other, just... I don't know. I feel like that character is written so much younger than she's actually supposed to be. Where if she were like, you know, like a 12 year old girl, I'd be like, okay, fine. Like, I get it. But she's not. She's like a grown woman. Yeah. And that, that, I just, I don't know. It's not, it's not fun or interesting to watch. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. Well, hopefully Death Watch comes and saves the day in the next episode. And we get a little more excited talking about the Clone Wars. Because that's what I feel like we need right now is some excitement in Star Wars. And I feel like the Clone Wars is our only hope for that. Yeah. Um... Because we were talking about how much the fucking Jedi suck, we did get up, they released some stuff on stars.com about the High Republic, which is the new book 
know, it's not quite really a book series. I don't know how to describe it. Project, maybe? But, yeah, project, book subset, I guess. Uh, and basically, okay. Readers will see a very wide variety of Jedi in this era, says Lucasfilm Publishing Creative Director Michael Siglin. This is a hopeful, optimistic time when the Jedi are good and noble, and you want to reflect that in their characters while giving them enough depth and dimensions that their individual personalities and idiosyncrasies shine through. The Jedi Knights of the High Republic are both aspirational and inspirational. In short, they're the good guys. Um... Kevin Scott says we put a lot of time and effort into making our Jedi feel like real well-rounded individuals. They're all different, approaching the force in individual and unique ways, yet are united with the common goal. They serve not out of unwavering dogma, but a deep passion to protect light and life. They're all at different stages in their individual journeys. Some have experience on their side. Some have the exuberance of youth. Some are still finding their place in the Order, while others step naturally into leadership roles. Some may not have chosen to work with the Jedi they've been posted alongside, but they're all dedicated to be a guiding light for the galaxy. Individually, they are strong. Together, they are invincible. But like the best heroes, they each have lessons to learn and challenges to overcome. Exciting times lie ahead. Hmm. Uh, and then it broke down some of the characters we're going to meet. Um, like the the blonde chick from the cover that we saw. Uh, her name is Avar Kreese. Chris. K-R-I-S-S. And Avar is the brightest, most noble example of Jedihood. She always tries to see the good in people and situations and never puts herself first. She is invigorated about life on the frontier and the challenges it brings and is an inspiration for those who walk with her. She is compassionate, not dogmatic, and always ready to sacrifice herself for others. Okay, she so sounds boring as fuck. Yeah. Here, let me drop this article in the chat so you can oh, see the pictures. I'm on it right now. Okay. Um, Laudan Greatstorm is a Twi'lek Jedi Master and is considered to be one of the best teachers of the Jedi Order. Strong and wise with a good sense of humor, Laudan looks at every moment as a learning experience, always trying to better himself and those around him, especially his Padawans. I, mean, I really love the costume. Yeah. yeah, I like the I like the white, like they're sort of Grecian-looking robes. And it's cool that one of them is a Twi'lek, especially a male Twi'lek, which we haven't really seen much of. Although, Golden Great Storm is a stupid fucking name. Great Storm. Then we have Keeve Trennis, a young firebrand Jedi, believed to have a great future ahead of her, if only she would believe it herself. Quick-witted and more impulsive than she should be, Keeve is only been a Jedi Knight for a few weeks. It is a little starstruck around Avar, knowing many of the great things Chris has done in the past. She's determined to bring herself to Var and the other legendary Jedi stationed on Starlight Beacon. But first she must learn to trust in herself as much as she trusts the Force. Then we have Selen Gios. Selen is an optimistic and well-respected Jedi Master. Selen came up through the Order 
with Avar Chris, and although they have often on different assignments for the Jedi Republic, when the two work together, they are a powerhouse team of two noble heroes in action. Strong in the Force and a natural teacher, Stellan is currently stationed at one of the Jedi Temple outposts on the distant planet of Paragon Viner. And his lightsaber has a cross guard. But not, not like Kylo Ren's where the cross guard is also lightsaber. It looks like it's like a metal part of the hilt. That's really cool. I really like that. I, I love their outfits. Yeah. Oh, and Keeve has a has a double lightsaber. And it's pretty cool. Um, then we have Vernestra Vern Rowe. Vern is a newly minted Jedi Knight. Sorry, let me. She was a Padawan to Stalin. She works hard and is a devoted Jedi, more so than most others at her age. At 16, she's one of the youngest Jedi Knights in a generation. She struggles to fit in with the adults while also setting a good example for the younger Jedi. Wow. These characters truly have potential. I mean, I'm loving the information that we're getting about them. Yeah, I'm ready to learn about like what exactly they're fighting yeah and maybe meet some of the bad guys and see the character design on them but I don't know it's cool it's nice to have some some art to look at and stuff and they did it like everybody has a different lightsaber like Avars has this ginormous fucking hilt yeah it's it's a pretty big hill it looks like it could be a double saber but it's just it's one yeah and she uses it like a double handed that's pretty cool Loden's looks just normal except it does look like it's a yellow saber yeah also I really like Keeve's hair Oh, me too. She has like a half-shaved head. Looks like she has like a Padawan braid too. Yeah. I really like uh, Stellan's uh, lightsaber. I think his is my favorite. I like just how much it looks like a sword. Yeah. I think that cross guard is pretty fucking cool. He has good bone structure, too. <laughs> Though I do feel like if you're a like a Jedi who's actually going out on missions and shit, oh, it seems like white is a weird choice for the majority of your outfit. Yeah. They do look like knights, though. You know, like, they they really do. They, they are Jedi, but I, I see the knight instead of them. Especially, like, Stellan's outfit. Like, he just looks like such, like, a... 
a knight. I mean, that's a very Lancelot-looking dude. Yeah. And Woden just looks like he's just, like, the king of everyone. With his golden robe and all white. Yeah. He's fucking badass looking. I like them all. I mean, I feel like out of all of them, like, uh, Avar Chris is kind of the plain Jane of them all, but. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully in the actual whatever book she's in, it actually gives her more depth than that. Yeah. I'm very. Because, yeah. Oh, say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just very interested on how much they're promoting this high order stuff or high republic stuff because i mean we're getting concept art of characters in a book you know like it just it's it's very interesting for star wars to do that i think because this is a sort of a new thing for them that they they really are are doing a big push on it yeah I don't know. I'm very interested. Like, I'm interested to see these. Maybe I will read these books. I don't know. Like, I, I'm i intrigued by these characters, so... And I'm glad I have faces to these characters. So we'll see. Yeah. I think it has a possibility to be quite good. And hopefully they, you know, just continue to give us little bits and pieces before these come out. Yeah. Well, all right. I I think that was the end of our news this week. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Um... Do you have anything else, Emily? I don't think so. Okay, sweet. Um, where can we find you in the podcast, Emily, on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind, and the podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at CantobitePod. All right. And you can find me on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you're all doing well. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main Yeah, that's fire 
Love on the rocks, please love on my socks. Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked, especially when y'all truly whips out his cock. Canto bite, episode 100. Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time. I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes. My top three running through my head, you know. So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo. My girls E and B deserve congratulations. Our adulation for the weekly creation. My last celebration was all about them, but this time I gotta drop lines for our friends. This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches. Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches. This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches. Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches. Start off with my Aussies, Catherine's a sweet one. Brought cash into lunch with Canto bitch number one. Josh made it a team and had bourbon and cornflakes. The kind of ice cream that made him show me his old face. Got to meet Turbo and throw back some brew. Fish tacos and San Fran, you know we approve. Rebecca from Perth, I haven't met you yet. Last shout to Fruity dude, I didn't forget. This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grosso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and Horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom, Death Watch, the most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time, so I shout a Raj too You know the list ain't complete without Lesson Boo this is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name, don't feel no shame You love the fun, the games, and refresher bangs Hang on every word of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word, maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know, maybe ask the girls if Yaddle squirts Take your CBD, send in your top three, And you'll always be a bitch like me Get him, Eric.